When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Hello, Chris Evans here, and welcome to the Best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky from Virgin Radio. Coming up today, singing sensation Ollie Murs chats to us about his brand new album, Marry Me. The always hilarious Ramesh Ranganathan gives us the lowdown on his latest Netflix stand-up special, The Cynic, plus the festive edition, thank you, of The Weakest Link. The King of Christmas, Cliff Richard, spreads festive cheer with news of his first Tinseltastic album in 19 years, Christmas with Cliff. Happy Cliff miss everyone at the age of 82. Awesome Aussie actor Guy Pearce spills the beans on his brand new ITV X thriller A Spy Amongst Friends in which he stars with Damien Lewis. All those beans and so much more to come. So Vassar's kick things off please. Who's up first? From singing to football to judging to dancing this man can do it all. He also once stripped naked on this show and took a cold <laughs> shower. It's oh true you did. That. <laughs> I about, how can we forget about that? His new album Marry Me is out now and if that's a real offer you can all get behind us in the queue for Ollie Murray. Yeah, and seriously, seriously. <laughs> You know, I would, wouldn't you? Yeah. Especially the, the way you're looking today. You look great today, man. I'm not getting in the cold shower, though. Uh, well, you, can you, do you remember you, that? Of course I do. I do now that he's reminded me of it. I remember we I came in, I did an interview, and then we had a stupid chat about, you should come in in two weeks, because doing a, a cold, cold water shower therapy. morning. Cold yeah. water therapy. And then I just jumped in the shower. And stayed there for ages, and we just, <laughs> we gave up in the end. It was so random. But, <laughs> it's, but it's funny, isn't it? Because, you know, I do the cold water therapy now. I am committed to the cold me water too. therapy. I have the brass monkey ice bath do you have a cold plunge or an ice bath i have an ice bath well, two degrees what's an ice bath then see you need to be in his oh, club you know what don't you, be one of those uh, talk, don't be one of those talk Chris. to each other about this take it outside i'm not interested does your bath have any ice in it no so how is it an ice bath it's a cold plunge man Oh, you know what? I'm not having this conversation. This is this could be an hour show debate. Well, there's not a debate. If it doesn't have ice in it, it's not an ice bath. So, so say your gin and tonic is served to you, right? It yeah. Doesn't have any ice in it, right? Yeah. And okay, you you've got a point. I give you this. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. But thank you. What 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 temperature is your plunge? Point zero one. Point zero one. Yes. And Ooh. so what happens is it's called the brass monkey. It's the this best. This is like one of them conversations you have with someone at school when you're young. My um, dad done that. My unfold, dad did unfold this. Unfold your arms. Bit right. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Do, do you know when you go to a showroom yes. and they hand you a leaflet? Mm-hmm. Do you know why they do that? Why? So you don't fold your arms. <laughs> yeah, true? because you can't sell to a closed person. And that's also why they offer you a drink. Anything to get you to unfold your body language. Oh, I like that. 
Can you get Ollie like 10 coffees? Thank you. That'd be great. <laughs> no, but so, so this is a brass monkey ice bath, right? Okay. And before you get in it, you just press a little defrost button because all the ice forms at the bottom. And then when you press it, it takes 30 seconds and the ice comes to the top and it's layered. I mean, by the way, it sounds incredible. Very expensive. It's funky. Brass monkey. I'm going to Google this. Can f- freeze the balls off a brass monkey. <laughs> that's the phrase. You know that's the phrase. Yeah. Do you know what that, where that comes from? No. Do you know Vassos? Do you know, Rachel? Wasn't it a cannon? Yeah. Yes, it was. So what is a brass monkey? The cannonball. No, it's not. It's the holder of the cannonballs. The holder of the cannonball. And when it gets cold, the metal expands and they pop off the holders on the ships. Yeah. People doing bad things. Anyway, Ollie's not here to talk about that. (laughs) No, I'm I'm really intrigued by it. Ollie, great album cover, by the way. Thank you. It looks like you're on the way to your wedding next year. Or or maybe uh, you've just left the wedding. Well, that was the feeling, really. Um, You know, wearing a nice, gorgeous white suit. Pretty Some cool. nice little sort of cowboy boots kind of thing. Is that a see-through vest you have on? It is a see-through vest, oh yes. Um, again, we wanted something really stylish and cool. Because uh, obviously with a title like Marry Me, you, we could have gone really cheesy. Um, but I think we've got it just right with the cover. Good so for thanks. You. Good for you. And uh, there's a tour? Yes, tour next year. Massive. I'm going to be doing a tour all across the arenas in the UK, which I'm really excited Arena, about. Arena, baby. Of course, I'm still Come doing on. arenas. Get in. Oh, wow. Um, so I'm doing that. And then there's a little bit of a break in the summer because that's when I'm getting married. Right. Uh, and then there'll be stags and hens and all them parties to do. Um, and then we, we do a summer tour, I think, in August stroke September. Love so it. yeah, it's an exciting year really. Lots All right, going Glasgow, on. Newcastle, Cardiff, Cardiff. Uh, two nights in Cardiff are in April. Nottingham, Leeds, London. That's April. May states include Bournemouth, Brighton, Birmingham, Manchester, August, Newmarket, Newbury, Stoke-on-Trent, Liverpool, Scarborough, Margate, Doncaster, Colchester. Arenas all the way, my friends. And you need to go to olliemers.com for anything to do with Ollie. Dancing on cars. Have you? Well, you know what? Car fest question. Mm. Dancing on cars would have been perfect, wouldn't it? Would have been perfect. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Could make it work this year, unfortunately. No, I know, year. but thanks for asking. And no, because it up. honestly, the last few times I've seen you, it's been at the car fest, and I really, really enjoyed it. <laughs> Although the last time we came, I remember it being the Champions League final, and it was um, <laughs> Liverpool versus yeah. someone, wasn't it? It was Liverpool Tottenham. Actually, that was Runfest Run. Oh, that we was a Runfest Run. That we, was it. We were all watching it backstage. Yes, yes, that was it. That was a different Mad, one. And I remember I'm a Manchester United fan. I'm headlining. And Chris <laughs> goes out and sings Liverpool songs. That's just yeah, as sorry, I'm about sorry, to sorry, go out. And I, got, and I got booed as I walked out. Because I'm a Manchester United fan. I couldn't yeah. think of anything worse than seeing Liverpool win. That was brilliant. Bit orcs. <laughs> I was hoping you'd forgotten about that. But on no, the stage, you do that thing with your team, don't yes. you? You have a little huddle, yeah, and you give them a little team talk. I love that. I love well, seeing we, that. But what we do is we have um, the horn section, and my my tour manager Mark uh, watched the TV show years ago, and there was a, a, a sort of a, a horn section on it, and they used to do this kind of song. So I won't sing it on air because it will sound like I'm singing something else, which I'm not. And um, <laughs> it's basically you feel like funking it up. But if you sing it, it sounds something yeah. else. So we feel like we're funking it up and we get the pump pump on and we all just stand in a circle and we all start singing. It's really fun. And it just for that one moment, it just gets us all tuned in. Right, we're about to go on and do a gig. It just gets everyone in that frame of mind that we're about to go on and perform for people. So, yeah, it's a good vibe. We've been doing it for years, for about 13 years. And you're a happy gang, aren't you? You're a happy happy. Best band. tour, honestly, you know, going on tour with my, my tour, my band, it's just fantastic. It's the best feeling and we have such a good laugh. I was going to say, because I, I do genuinely, uh, I don't love my job. I beyond love it. I adore this. I adore this. Yeah. But... 
but what you do for a living if you really enjoy it mm. you know to get to write a, another great album your seventh album and have all those hits in the bag already and some new ones on this one and then to go touring with your mates and get paid for it you know in arenas with people that you have a right laugh with you know and you, you do work it is work you go out on stage and you work but it mm. doesn't feel like that does no it? no it, it really doesn't I'm very lucky, and that is all thanks to the amazing people, all my fans, my, my people that are listening now that are fans, even if you're not fans. Um, <laughs> that, no, I appreciate, honestly, this job very much, and, uh, you know, to be given the opportunity to do it every day. Um, but like I said before, whether little or small, it wouldn't have mattered if I'd have done theatres again or if I'd have been just been doing local pubs. With with playing music is what I love, and I've I've realised that more doing because I've been doing lots of TV over the last couple of years with Starstruck, The Voice, and 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 also being next to Sir Tom. Weirdly enough, when you're with with a legend like that that's been doing this for so long, his passion and love for music and singing is just so infectious. And I was like, you know, oh, I'm going to go and do more TV and stuff. But actually, now I'm like, no, I want to do more music. Yeah, do and, the music. Uh, yeah. Being with him just gives you that feel. And you don't. And you, love. I mean, you're great on the telly, but you just need to do it you know you, you you do i i think that when you do what you're supposed to do you get all the right superpowers mm. you know what you do for a living music is a superpower anyway it's just oh, the best that, thing that's the best thing that ever my superpower the best of the chris evans breakfast show with sky virgin radio he is one of our tip top favorites and one of yours and the good news for all of us he's very rarely not on the telly. His latest stellar offering is a stand-up special, The Cynic, available today on Netflix via Sky Q. He is always fresh. He is back for another sesh. He is Ramesh Ranganathan. Hey, Ramesh. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming again. You always come and see us. Thanks, man. No problem. I love to be here. Is this the new Netflix, you? What do you mean? This, this weight loss? Yeah. No, it's just... I decided to lose some. I decided to sort of exercise a bit and sort my diet out. And really? Well, I was just eating very unhealthily, and I got really big. And then, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I just thought I'm going to drop some weight, so I just did. And I've become, I've become slightly addicted to going to the gym. My, Have you? My wife has said she thinks it's a problem because <laughs> uh, I'm going pretty much every morning. Well, um, is it? Because you talk about your wife and and men and other men and Idris yeah. Elba particularly yes. on your Netflix special, it's absolutely hilarious, Ramesh. Thank you. It's man. really, Thank you. really, really funny. Thank you. I don't know where to go in. Do we go in with your wife or your kids? <laughs> <laughs> Not sure. What do you think? Well, I don't know. I, I slightly have made an apology on the special about how I've spoken about my kids on the previous <laughs> in my previous show because I sort of talked about. I, I in my last show I talked about the fact I talked about the difficulties of parenting right and I assumed it was implicit that I love my children and that I was just talking about how annoying it can be to be a parent sometimes <laughs> but then I'd be out with my children and people come up, come up to me and go which one's the awful one then like in front of them and just sort of point at them and go is it this one is it oh well he's behaving a bit and I was like, Oh, why have I done this? So yeah, I slightly regret some of the stuff I said about my Yeah, kids so you life. so on the Netflix special, which is out today, um, it's called The Cynic, you apologise for that and then immediately just dive into it again. Yeah. Because I sort of I sort of <laughs> I sort of think I've given myself, you know, license to go again, you know. Um so yeah, that is absolutely right. I'm a hypocrite actually. I I, I apologise and then immediately do another few gags, yeah. But it's all true. That's the thing, isn't it? It's all true. Yeah, well when I start you know when you start doing in stand-up you are just desperately trying to find the funny in any way you can so you're looking for it everywhere and it takes you a while to find your voice 
And, you know, I went through a load, not deliberately, but went through a load of different styles when I started in stand-up. When I started off, I mean, I know I'm not the most expressive now, but I was super deadpan, like just barely moved on stage at all. Right. And then, and then you start to write different stuff. And basically I found that for me, there's loads of great comics that do stuff that's completely surreal. But for me, the stuff that I almost found embarrassing to write about was the stuff that worked the best on stage. And so whenever I'm thinking of an idea and I think I'm not sure if I want to share that, that normally means that it's a good That's thing That's the one you've got to go yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. If I feel a bit of a cringe... Oh, no. ..or a twinge of embarrassment <laughs> as I'm sort of expressing... Is that good for your health? I sort of... It's kind of cathartic, I think. You know, like, I... I I do, you know, but if you feel that anxiety, that inner conflict, you know that that can be an issue. You know, yeah, but now, or... I th- but now, now I've got to the point where I accepted I'm onto something. Right. If I if I <laughs> if I feel that sort of, then I know that this is going to be this is going to be a routine, basically. So what have you got against Brighton Beach then? It's just <laughs> uh, listen. <laughs> it's a word you can't say on the radio. You nearly said it then. I saw your mouth shape. You went, it's, 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 it's Listen, there's nothing. I like Brighton. I, I cut my teeth on the Brighton comedy circuit. I just have an issue with pebble beaches. That's all. I just, um, this sort of thing of pretending to be comfortable by sitting down on something that is so horrific, you know, and you get up and you've got pop marks on your backside. And you have to pretend it's sort of um, a massage kind of yeah, friendly beach, don't you? Yeah, you just sort of de- you? desperate. Oh, these, to... these pebbles are comfy. Yeah. Oh, the sea's, the sea's nice. We're so near the sea, aren't we? Yeah, but you're in agony, you know, like you're in absolute <laughs> agony. Why are you trying to pretend this is good? So, yeah, uh, look, I love Brighton, but the beaches, you will not see me having an afternoon on Brighton Especially Beach. considering your heritage and the geography of, of your mum Well, and that was a kind of, that was a thing, because, you know, I talk about it in the special about the fact that my parents are from, you know, I'm originally from Sri Lanka. Amazing beaches there. And I don't know why, but my dad ended up settling in Crawley, of, like, all of the places. <laughs> you have a theory or two, don't you? Yeah, well, <laughs> near the airport, in case they get sent back. But, um, <laughs> but, that, but the... But the the bright but the, so I just I just I sort of I, they've never told me this story but I sort of in the special fantasize or imagine what it would have been like the first time they decided to go and check out the beach, and what the <laughs> what the contrast would have been from Brighton compared to the beaches back home basically. We're talking about to, to Romish about his Netflix special which is out today. Big deal Netflix special, big big deal for stand up comedian. This is called The Cynic, and um, you talk about Will Smith and you talk about that moment, you know, at the Academy Awards with Chris Rock. Did you watch it live? I did, yeah. What, yeah. what, what was your, your hot take on it? Because we know what your comedic take is now. Well... Could you believe it? No, I just... I, I, I mean, initially, my initial reaction was that this is part of the show, you know, because I thought it, it's such a... So mad. It's such a crazy thing to happen. Yeah. There's no way that he can have just done that. And also, if you look at it, it's sort of... When Chris Rock makes a joke, Will Smith sort of laughs initially and then you see Jada kind of roll her eyes and then afterwards it cuts away to Chris and he's sort of like, oh, what's going on here? And even Chris Rock's like, oh, he's coming up to do a bit. He sort of looks like he's about to welcome him on stage. I, I just I just could not believe it. It was such a... You know, I, there's obviously what I thought was in the, immediately after, it's just, you know, there must be a lot going on there behind the scenes because it was such a, a nothing joke that Chris Rock made. I mean... Uh, and for him to have that reaction, you just sort of think it's so... It's felt, at the time, felt so disproportionate. Yeah, something and, that had been simmering for a long yeah, exactly, time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You just think there's something going on there. And it's sort of, you know, for all comics, it raises this question of, 
are you allowed to joke about whatever you want to joke about? You know, are you are you allowed to? Because a lot of jokes, somebody or something is a target. You, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And 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 as a comic, you've got to go. Do I feel comfortable in in, yeah, in talking? Yeah. Who's about going this? to be the most hurt by this? Exactly. And how hurt are they going yeah. to be? And and some comics think, well, do you know what? Whatever I'm saying on stage as a comedian, it's a joke. I'm joking. But the lines get blurred because. As a comic, you are talking as yourself. You're not saying this isn't a staged, scripted piece. I mean, I know people write stand-up, but you are going. This is what I think. So the the you know, it's very difficult for an audience to go. This is just this is a performance thing, and so I'm going to detach myself from an immediate reaction to what they're saying. Yeah. You know, no, it's I a tricky it. one. All uh, right. So this thing in January, which we can all look forward to, Dark Nights, big viewing figures, by the way. Ramesh has a brand new Sky series called Romantic Getaway. Starts January, made by his British company. What's it about? Who stars? Uh, it's myself and Catherine Ryan. Yes. Uh, are a couple who are trying uh, for a baby through IVF. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't afford the next round, and so we decide to rob the money from our work and so the show starts with us just having committed the crime johnny <laughs> vegas uh johnny vegas plays our boss who we're trying to hide it from and then the series is what, what's your workplace it's a it's a property management place basically Hilarious. and so um and uh the the show basically the series is a fallout from that and our kind of descent into uh the escalation of that trying to cover did it you up. write it yes so this is the laziest man in the world, he says. He says. So he's written, produced, starring in a sitcom. He's got a Netflix special that's that's on today and it's going to smash it. He's got the weakest link going on. He's Rob um, and Ramesh versus. Have I missed anything out? Well, he goes to the gym every morning. The Ranga Nation. <laughs> yeah. He wrote, wrote a book last year. Oh, yeah. Anybody yeah. else? Anybody else this lazy? League of their own? Come on, Ramesh. Oh, you absolute loser. You loafer. You profligate. Honestly, you and my 16-year-old You're son. Just Rubbish! <laughs> you're the same. You're cutting the same. Good luck to you, because you're going to need it. You old lazy bones. Goodbye. Bye. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. He may no longer be a young one, but he's definitely still high class, baby, and smashing out chart-topping tunes. His new album, Christmas with Cliff, is out now and up against Stormzy for number one. Already celebrating an astonishing eighth decade with a top five album, it's a big congratulations (laughs) to Sir Cliff Richard! Good morning, Cliff. How are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. How come you're all so bright this early? Because <laughs> we're getting paid. <laughs> you know it is. Listen, I just I heard you say that this I was called Sylvia, but it wasn't by my off. It was when Elton John took my record to the States. Right. I kept saying, have I gone silver here? And he had this habit of naming everybody with a female name. Yeah. His driver was called Betty, as in Betty Driver. <laughs> yeah, I got it. All right, from Coronation Street. Good. <laughs> so um, I got Sylvia in this. Well, Cliff, it's great to have you on the show. I'm so pleased uh, you made time for us. Congratulations on everything, as always. How does it feel to be up against Stormzy now that you know who he is? Well, that's right. You know, I don't live here anymore. So for me, it was a strange, strange, a stranger to the business. But for me, it's fantastic. I keep telling myself, how is this happening? Next year is going to be my 65th year. And here I am competing with someone who's the highest, biggest selling artist of the decade. And he's... And he's got to compete with me. I'm thrilled. Win or lose, this is going to be one of the <laughs> most fun times I've had. 
Cliff, it's great to talk to you. And I was thinking about Stormzy and you. And I was thinking about, you know, you're up against him. He's up against you. And you, who have you been up against in the past? Like, you know, it, let, let's, let's go back to maybe your first number one album. You know, the likes of whom were your adversaries back in the day then? Oh, my God. Elvis Presley, wow. Chuck Berry, um, <laughs> the Everly Brothers. I mean, it was unbelievable. And the thing is, you know, it every single Christmas... Any, I've only had four Christmas number ones. I'm not grumbling. That's that's enough. But it's competition time. Everybody used to and still does release their records nearer Christmas because that's where you sell more records. So um, it's just one of those things that I've done naturally because I want to sell more records. And I haven't won more. People think I own Christmas, but I don't. No, you don't. Um, but you are definitely ever present in, in this most uh, festive of times. And it's your first full on Christmas album uh, for 19 years. Tell us about the decision. You know, where were you? Who are you with when you're having a natter about it? Because you, you could have gone early. You could have left it alone this year. What, what tipped the balance? Well, what tipped the balance was that, first of all, the record company requested a Christmas album. And I thought, oh, I haven't done one for years. I didn't realise it was nearly 20 years ago. But um, they then sent me about 100 titles or more. I didn't realise, because I don't know about you, but I didn't realise there were that many Christmas songs that had been released over the years. Mm. So I picked, I think I picked nine, and then I found three new ones, and they were very happy to add the new ones. And so that's where the single comes from. And it's it was just an exciting time. And what's good about this album for me and different is that I used two producers on it. One is a rock and roller, a guy called Sam Hollander. And the other guy is Chris Walden. And he's got more of us into the strings and stuff. So Chris did all the rocking around the Christmas tree. <laughs> and, the, uh, and the other guy did uh, Mary's Boy Child and Mary Did You Know and stuff like that. So... For me, it was a, a thrill to do the album, and we did it in, I think, April stroke May earlier this year. So it wasn't Christmas, but Christmas songs make you feel as though Christmas is every day, that little song that you that's won your competition. <laughs> I'm so glad you heard that. It was a great song, wasn't it? Nice nice little yeah, hook terrific. there. So yeah, beautiful. I'm... Cliff, it's fantastic to have you on the show. You know, 80 years young, 82 years young, as I say, um, you know, wise beyond your years. However, your years are catching up to your wisdom now, uh, and that's no bad place to be. Uh, do, you, do you have a message for, A, your fans, B, the UK, C, you know, humankind in general. What do you think about things? Um, what can you put out there that people can pay forward? Well, I mean, I'd like to think that everybody is aiming to be as good or as, you know, everything is good. If, if, if you can make it to be good, and that means nothing to do with singing, uh, who's to say who's good at singing? When you think about the types of music you play, myself, Stormzy, it's all so different. It's nearly impossible to say who's the best because we're all sort of good at what we do. So in the end, I think if you start thinking about the needs of other people, that helps you greatly. When I first started to do a bits of charity here and there, it was unbelievable for me to see other people's needs. And so all of us can kind of do that. I remember my, my mother actually gave £10 a month and she clothed and fed a young girl in Africa for 10, 10 quid a month. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing I've aimed at over the years. And of course, whatever you do in life, whatever job you have, if you can become really good at it, that that's going to boost your morale fantastically. It boosts mine. I mean, I don't know why. Chris, I have no idea why I'm still here. 
but I must be doing something right and I'll just keep <laughs> doing what I do. Yeah, and if you can't see it, whatever it is uh, you're trying to see, feel it because we can feel much more than we can see. And that's what music is all about, I think, as well. Yes, it is. Cliff, have a great Christmas. I know you're going to come in live here to be with Graham uh, Norton on Saturday, the 10th of December. Uh, So you'll be in this very studio. Uh, Please give it your blessing. And I'm sure we'll still feel that blessing when we come back on Monday, the 12th of December. Have a great Christmas, Cliff. And I wish you well up against Stormzy. May the best man win. No, no, don't say that because he might. (laughs) (laughs) The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. He is an award-winning actor who's been in many of the biggest and best films of the past 25 years. And even more exciting... He was Mike in Neighbours. He now stars in a new thriller, A Spy Among Friends, on ITVX from next Thursday. And on this show right now, we're going to find out why everybody needs good Guy Pierce. Good morning, Woo! Guy. Oh, thanks for being there, Guy. How are you? An absolute pleasure. I'm very well. How are you? Oh, we're great. Thanks so much. Congratulations on this show. It's really good, my friend. Thank you very much. And I'm sorry I'm not in Christchurch, just no, to make it I know, I know, be even further away. But I reckon, well, Melbourne's pretty far away, but I reckon Tasmania would even be further. Tasmania. Well, you would know. Yeah. You would know about these things. Um, what, time, what time is it in Melbourne? How has your day been so far? What might you be doing after this chat? It's, uh, it's 8.30 at night here. Uh, the day's been good. I've been running around doing some busy stuff. Um, and um, the weather was gorgeous today in Melbourne. Was it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry to. I know it's getting colder in <laughs> there, but it's delightful here in Melbourne currently. What well, we're so pleased for you, and of course you get you get Santa. I mean, not tomorrow, but you get the the first of uh, Santa's month tomorrow before most of the rest of the world. Uh, we're very excited about Christmas already. Um, I don't think we get Santa before Holland does, though. Holland's been having Sinterklaas for about the last three, four weeks. I know. He seems to turn up every couple of... My son, who lives in Holland, keeps saying to me, we're putting another shoe out on the front door for Sinterklaas. He's coming again tomorrow morning. I'm like, how many times does this guy turn up? How many gifts are there? <laughs> so so I, he, I think he's been hanging about in Holland way before he comes to Australia. All right, Guy. Aspire Among Friends, ITV, and it kicks in on ITV, available from next Thursday, the 8th of December, on ITVX. How exciting. Uh, so Australian actor Guy Pearce, who you're listening to now, live from Melbourne, as stars as Kim Philby in Espionage Thriller series A Spy Amongst Friends, which is available on ITVX from next Thursday, as we say, the 8th of December, along with such other luminaries of the thespian world, like Damien Lewis, for example. Would you, now, some of it's true, some of it isn't true. It doesn't matter from an entertainment and dramatic point of view. Uh, would you like to navigate that a bit for us, Guy? Well, as far as I know, it's all true. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure what's not true. Um, I mean, obviously, in spy world, I think it's probably hard to fully glean <laughs> all the facts um, as things are somewhat, um, uh, you know, hidden. So the sense that I get, though, is that the interview that took place between uh, Kim Philby and his very close friend Nicholas Elliott when when the walls were closing in on Philby, um, by all accounts, that four-day um, examination was as true as we portray it. And then uh, and then Philby hopped it 
on a on a Russian freighter and buggered off to Russia and never came back. Yeah, I mean, I only say you know um, th- there's a bit of poetic license because it says that you know it, it, at the beginning of episode one does that that it says that on screen. Uh, okay, well, I, I guess if it says that, I should I should go with that. Yeah. Um, and... Whereas in neighbours, whereas in neighbours. <laughs> Everything is very true. <laughs> See now, you brought up the you brought up the neighbours subject, and um, yeah, well, the thing about neighbours yeah. obviously was we all thought it was finishing. Yeah, and uh, it's not; it's coming back like the Australian boomerang uh, that we all uh, back. want it to be. Um, how? L- listen, we've got to stay. We've got to stay on uh, Spy Among Friends for a bit longer. But then, it's clearly, you're willing to talk about neighbours, which is just the best news in the world, especially for one member of our team, Rachel. Hi, guy. <laughs> how are you? Hi, Rachel. That's why I'm talking about neighbours. I'm a very aware of Rachel's adoration of Ramsey Street. Well, I was very excited that you're basically moving back in with Jane. So now that Neighbours is coming back, (laughs) how many episodes have you signed up for? Well, I guess another four years. Brilliant. uh, Like I did back in 1985. So I hadn't realised that's what I was roped in for, but... um, so I'll have to chat to the producers about that and see see what we can what we can do. Did, did anybody have the first clue? Any kind of sense? Any kind of wishful thinking that this that this could happen? What has happened has happened. That the phoenix, it, the neighbour's phoenix, has been has been rescued from the flames. No, nobody mentioned Lazarus at all uh, when we were at Lassiter's. Um, maybe that's what Lassiter's should have been called. Very good. Uh, but uh, uh, no, it certainly felt like it was all over. And um, Amazon's news was was quite the surprise. And in fact, I have to do a presentation at the uh, at the Australian Film Awards next week, which was going to be about the death of Neighbours and all the wonderful um, careers that it's 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 begun. And I still will do something, but we're still now trying to figure out how we how we make it work based on the fact that Neighbours is actually returning. Wow. Uh, there's, there's bound to be some gag in there that I can I can. All right, ITV is up. screaming at the radio. Stop talking about neighbours and Amazon. Can't yeah, so talk about that's right. A spy among friends. ITV X uh, from um, next Thursday. I loved it. I've got to say, guy, I absolutely loved it. Um, uh, were you surprised when you first found out that the you know the world the real world of spying was any it couldn't be further away from the glamorous sort of James Bond esque kind? But in its way, it has its own appeal, its own allure because it's so stark and it's so dank and it's so it's so sort of subversive um, and so well, binary. I, I really, I really think that I'm sure, particularly back in that day and age, uh, there was something highly intoxicating, uh, the life and death aspect of it, as well as the sort of the complex idea that there was Philby, you know, well entrenched in the British ruling class and yet having some disdain for it and 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 feeling um, pangs of communism, knowing that he could infiltrate, um, you know, the, the, the British um, uh, sort of functioning system was... was And I must admit, through the course of the show, I I kept having these moments of going, I can't believe this actually happened. I can't believe, you know, he got away with what he got away with for 30 years. And I I do feel that obviously he was quite a duplicitous character. And I'm sure that I'm sure that his feelings about communism were were justified and felt very real. Um, But I do think a lot of what drove him was probably his disdain for the what he might call the the sort of the, the 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 blind British ruling class and its its inability to sort of question itself and um and and do what it you know do the due diligence do sort of diligence that it that it should have done in order to uh, 
you know, keep tabs on everybody. I think he took advantage of a system that was ready to be taken advantage of. All right. Well, listen, thanks for making time for us at the end of what I presume I can sort of sense has been a busy day, busy few weeks with this and other things going on as well. Um, Have a lovely Christmas. Enjoy the apricity of another um, sunset in Melbourne. And um, thanks, thanks for being on the show. Absolute pleasure. Thanks okay. for having me. Guy Pierce. Right Absolute yeah, pleasure. Right back at you. What a lovely fella. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. All right, this is the Best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky from Virgin Radio. We've heard from a bunch of incredible guests already and still to come, the brilliant actor Will Sharp, who stars as Ethan in The White Lotus, as the outrageous White Lotus, the best show on telly anywhere in the world via Sky Atlantic. The wonderful Tom Walker tells us all about his upcoming intimate tour next March. An amazing author, artist and now animator. Charlie Maxey tells us all about The Boy, The Mole, The Fox and The Horse, the animated story which will be on BBC One this Christmas. So let's get right back to it. Massive. Who's next? With a pen and a piece of paper, our next guest made the world fall in love and he's back to do it again. And this time, he's packing an Indris Elba and a Tom Hollander. The animated story of the boy, the mole, the fox and the horse is on shelves now and on BBC One this Christmas. So please welcome the book, the animation, the author and somewhere his dog. It's Charlie Mackesy. <laughs> Good morning, Charlie. <laughs> morning, Chris. How are you doing? Yeah, it's very early, isn't it? No, it's not very early. It's, it's nearly home time for us. What the heck are you talking about? It's 20 to 10. We get up at four o'clock. I, I was up extra early this morning to re-watch your animation. I watched it last night and I watched it again this morning. Did you? I just wanted to come in with that, you know, sort of riven through my veins today. Oh. Hey, congratulations. Um, oh, you know, you. Gl- global... You know, behemoth in literary terms, but now we can see the animation, the animated story of the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse. Um, mm. Thanks to the BBC and your pal Matthew, and of course your friend and your co-producers. Mm. Um, it's rather wonderful. Um, how was it bringing him to life? It was. It was strange to suddenly see him move and try to get him to, you know, shuffle around. And the mole too. You know, how, how is the mole going to move? That was a big question. Now, we have been told, quite yeah. quite correctly in this yeah. world of media, that we can't review it, review oh. this amazing thing that people can see over Christmas on the Beeb until the 18th of December. But oh. because it's yours, yeah. and I, th- I don't think you're going to mind us talking about it no. a little deeper than maybe perhaps otherwise. Fine by me. <laughs> I adored it. Did you? Totally and utterly adored it. Oh. it mo- <laughs> thinking about it moves me to tears. Oh, gosh, you're going to make me cry now. It is so wonderful. Thank you. It is everything I always wanted Charlie Brown to be, but wasn't. (laughs) And I love Charlie Brown, (laughs) and I love Charles Schultz. But this is is my kind of juice, you know. Is it, yeah. Um, Oh, I've lost lost it now. (laughs) Good, I'm glad, because this is how you you make me feel. And I'm I'm crying tears of beauty, gratitude... Um, oh, thank you. And uh, because we're all we're all all of the all of the characters, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. We're all the little boy. Yeah. We're all the mole. Yeah. We're all the fox. Yeah. We're all the horse. Yeah. At our best and our worst. Yeah. And everywhere in between. Mm-hmm. The thing I like particularly about it, which I I think was almost impossible to pull off, and I didn't realise it would be an issue until I saw the end result, was to animate something so wonderful, but retain the stillness 
of the original illustrations. Yeah, that was hard. Because it is still, it's it's still mm. there. The power of the stillness is still there, yet the characters are moving. Hats off, my friend. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was a long, it was two years of, you know, working really hard on, on mainly on Zoom calls because it was all lockdown and stuff. Um, but I just really wanted it to be still, you know, not to push it or force it. Um, so I'm struggling. <laughs> are, the, are these are these tears of relief? Uh, no, I just I, I just when when I saw you being moved by it, it just moved me because I, I I love that. I mean, you know, it's all we did it for really was for that reason. And um, the, the original dynamic of the four characters: your your John, Paul, George, and Ringo, if you like, <laughs> you know. Because that's a decision and a half, you know, yeah. and, and they fit together so perfectly. Mm. We've never really talked about the origin of the four characters. No, and the, the weird thing is there were others around in, early on. There was like a, a penguin and a polar bear and a koala even. And... So you had Pete Best in there. Yeah. Jimmy Nickel in there. Yeah. Yeah, they were. She had Stuart Sutcliffe in there, but they had to go. Because the it could only ever be a Fab Four. <laughs> I never thought of it like that. <laughs> Um, yeah, they just seemed to fit together, you know. Yeah. And they were also different and had different part. There were different parts of us that fitted, and physically, you know, the, the different sizes and shapes fitted. So in the end, they, it just seemed seemed unnatural. Tell us about the choice of the voices. Ah, oh, the voices. Yeah. Well, I, I'd always heard the the voices slightly in my head, uh, so that that wasn't hard. You know, the boy I wanted to have a vulnerable, gentle soft voice so what did you go for for people who haven't seen it or do you want to leave it as a surprise am I allowed am I, I don't know what I'm allowed but to sure, say. it's your gig it's not mine <laughs> I don't I have no idea if, we, if, if, you, if you go to jail we're all going to jail let's all go to jail for Christmas it's been announced apparently so you can <laughs> oh good yeah well well, you know the boy I, I, as soon as I heard him I thought that's that's it uh, we had to we, obviously the brilliant other auditions but he, he was the first I heard and he had a tender but he has a very soft Scottish voice yeah, it's almost uh, transatlantic, mid-Atlantic, isn't yeah, it, in but a way? I just, yeah, he just, just because there's a real vulnerability to him. Yeah. And, you, you know, yeah, so he, as soon as I heard that, I thought, well, that's the voice I've always heard. Uh, so he was lovely. Um, Tom Hollander is the mole, um, who is just, <laughs> just brilliant. Um, what a joy. Do you know Tom? Not really, but I kind of now, right. you know, because we work together. But um, he he's, has a velvety voice, like a mole voice, but and it's funny, but also can suddenly switch to, you know, deep pathos, really, in, at the click of a finger. So yeah. he's he's his range is amazing, and he was wonderful. And then we've got um, Gabriel Byrne as the horse. Yeah. And I actually wrote him a letter and said, you know, we were struggling to get hold of you. I did this little book, and do you, I don't know whether you were, we're doing this film. Do you fancy being the horse? And I got a phone call. And it was like, hey, Charlie, it's Gabriel. <laughs> That's very good, by the way. Thank you very much. You needn't have wasted your money. You can have done it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, have you, what do you get my life? He said, I did. And I said, what do you think? He said, Charlie, I am the horse. Um, but was a, there was a more colourful language, which I'm probably not going to say. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> Thank you. It's going so well. <laughs> Um, and then, don't go, don't go, Maria Margulies. Oh, we oh, won't be oh, <laughs> behaving. <laughs> uh, and Idris, yeah, Idris is, uh, is the fox. Um, 
incredible um, voice, you know? And so it's available on the iPlayer and mm-hmm. it's available, it's going to be on, on telly on BBC One. Yeah, um, and Apple Plus as well. I Apple think. Plus. What, what yeah. day is it available on the iPlayer from? Sorry. Oh, gosh. I, I don't have that bit with me. I, I'm, I'm not sure. They haven't even announced when it's being All right. aired, but I think it's close to Christmas around then. Yeah. What have and, you learned from the whole experience so far? You personally? Me? Yeah. That people are unbelievable. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, the letters, yeah, <laughs> two years of, of, of people's um, letters, heartbreaking stuff, but people, yeah, um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> and the book gives them some solace, some yeah. succor. Yeah, yeah, it did, which is all you want, isn't it, really? Well, it's a dream come true, isn't it? It's a bit mad. Helping people you'll never meet. Yeah, that's mad. It's the best thing in the world. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. I think we don't, aren't we? (laughs) Happy Christmas, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) We've got a flipping Christmas Day show to record after this. Not anymore. (laughs) Not now we've been macassied. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, thanks a lot, Charlie. It's lovely, lovely to see you all. Thank you. Don't leave us alone next time. Leave as long as you like. (laughs) (laughs) You brute. (laughs) Um. Charlie Macassies Everything is out now and it's all number one already. Bye. Bye. (laughs) The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. He burst onto the scene, hat on head, beard on face, and we all fell in love with his voice. His new single, The Best Is Yet To Come, is out now and a tour is on the way. But first, with his cover of the Christmas classic, Let It Slow, Let It Snow, live from what is... Let It Slow? Let It Snow. Let It Slow? Let It Snow, live from what is now, with him sitting on it, a very cool stool of rock. Can only apologise. It's Tom Walker! Yes! The only sober person on the 17th floor! (laughs) As long as you love me so, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow Let it snow, let it snow Let it snow Come on, how good is that? <laughs> cheers in the studio, cheers in the control room Open the door, let's hear you cheering Let's hear you cheering, come on uh, One, two, three that's pretty good. Beautiful. That, beautiful. Does, that doesn't happen very often, Tom. No, I like Gotta it. Be I like it. It's that, nice to be back in the room. It's great to have you with us, pal. Tom Walker's latest single, The Best Is Yet to Come, which is off the chain good, is out now. His intimate night, a 10 date uh, UK tour, begins on Sunday, the 19th of March in Manchester until Friday, the 31st of March in London. Apparently, uh, there is the odd ticket still available. I don't know, actually. Uh, this well, there's definitely tickets available. It's going on sale at 9 a.m. this morning. All right, so, so that's why. So, so there will be tickets. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's handy you're on the show then, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, what a coincidence. <laughs> I am TomWalker.com. Um, good. Because I was worried. I thought, well, like, you, because you always sell out. And I was thinking, oh, this is not like sell out as in sell your soul. You sell your soul, <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, there's been a bit of that, you know. <laughs> I, am, I am TomWalker.com. Uh, tickets go on sale for that 9 o'clock this morning, 10 dates uh, next March. You were brilliant at Carfest, mate. Thank you very you much. You were absolutely awesome. Open invitation to next year. You know that. No pressure. Absolutely. But you are more than welcome to come. Oh, we had a great time. Smash it, it again. such a riot. It was a really, really good, good time. And we have achieved record ticket sales already. 
ready for next year. Oh, man. so so it's all good. What about Elton John playing Glastonbury? Oh Come my on. God, so good. Come on, I can't wait. I can't wait. I try to get tickets for Glastonbury just in case I'm not playing. Do you know what I mean? I like I like to like you know hedge yeah. my bets and get tickets, and it was just an absolute no go this year. Really? So Tom Walker can't get tickets for Glastonbury? I mean, I'm sure I can. You know, I'd like to try first before begging the people in the industry I know to try and get a free tickets. Yeah, so, it uh, is difficult. Yeah. yeah. So whenever we used to host shows from there for the one show we did a few years from there and uh, the other radio show uh, we did for years and years uh, we went like three, four, five times I can't remember but the BBC always had to pay for a ticket for anybody who was hosting the show because yeah. that's how tight they are and not how tight they are Not I didn't mean how tight <laughs> I didn't mean how tight the Eves uh-uh. are <laughs> How, How dare d- they want me yeah. money for their festivals? <laughs> Can you believe the first ever Glastonbury? They, they paid uh, Mark Boland in milk. <laughs> So oh. he's selling his soul, yeah. and the Evises are tight. No, yeah. I didn't mean that. Yeah. I didn't mean that. Good morning. <laughs> Shabby Christmas, everyone. <laughs> I don't mean any of what I'm saying on the radio today. So, no, did, could you could you connect with... Did it chime with you what Vassus was saying about... So Elton John walks on stage for us. Mm. He played in a field, in a very nice field, in a tent for us, yeah. uh, for... I think it was two million pounds or three million pounds. I can't remember, but for a lot of money um, for children needing our various other charities, and so, and also for the Elton John AIDS Foundation, and he played in this field, two hundred people. I mean, un- uh, unbelievable. The fact that he agreed to do it, you know, and he came from his house in Windsor, and considering his age and all this kind of stuff, and he didn't need to do it, but he did it, you know. And he did arrive, and he he, he looked like Elton John, but then he sat at the because uh, the piano stool and his fingers connected with the keys and he just completely changed. I mean, do, do you recognise that kind of transition when you're performing? Uh, probably not on the same level as Elton John, if I'm to be perfectly honest, you know. I've put out and recorded one album so far, so uh, there might be a bit more magic for him. No, but from, uh, a performance <laughs> point, from a super fuel sort of performance point of view, yeah. McCartney was the same when he played Glastonbury, wasn't he? He's, yeah, He's yeah. 80 years old, man. Yeah, I and mean, he, he fair played... dues, honest to God. Like, he was he was really good. He played, and... like, 42 songs or something. I know, I know. I don't know how I don't know how he's got the stamina for it, to be honest, but it was absolutely amazing. And there's just something magical about Glastonbury. I don't, I don't know what to... I can't put my finger on it, but like that place is one of the most magical places on planet Earth. And we've been to a lot of festivals. We've been fortunate to travel all over the world, doing festivals in Australia, Japan, all over. Wow. But there, there really is nothing like Glastonbury. That's so neat. That's a great way of trying to get tickets as well. Yeah, just keep saying that. So. Just if you're out there listening, these. <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> also, I'll be paid in milk for a gig. No, no worries. How many times you play Glastonbury? Uh, I think five times. What's your, what was your most enjoyable? John Peel. John yeah, Peel stage. John Peel uh, at like 6pm on Sunday. Is that the big tent, the stripy tent? Yeah, the big blue one. With yeah, open yeah. sides. Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, and it was packed. Some it was after Kylie Minogue as well. It was like, I literally started 15 minutes after uh, her set ended and I was like, no one's going to be here because they're all going to be at the pyramid station. It was absolutely packed to the brim. Some tent, there's 5,000 people if it's in it. Yeah, five thousand. I mean, you know, it's pretty sardine-like, but there are five, five to six thousand people. Yeah, and the energy, just in general. Like I played at the Rabbit Hole, which is a really uh, kind of little intimate stage this year, to probably around like maybe three hundred, four hundred people. It was my favourite gig of the year by far. It was so amazing. It was just me and my acoustic in the crowd, and I had a great time. I definitely should uh, come to your charity lunches, Adam and Bolton. That's a sincere invite next Tuesday. You please. What are we doing? Because yeah, I mean, going to a pub and getting paid to drink. Did you say? I'm pretty, sure, else, I'm pretty sure you said getting paid, to drink. paid <laughs> to drink. What time are you going? Um, what time can you make it? No, we've got a writing session, but after six, I'm I'm down. Oh, nice no, lunch. Oh, 
No. Can't you switch your own? I mean, let switch me talk to own. my management. Like, it's probably not important, Honestly, because so. it's at James's pub, yeah. the Fox and Pheasant in Chelsea, and it's such a great pub. And he's there. He hosts. It's, honestly, it's one of the best pubs. Best, best pubs. He's such a nice guy. Yeah, no. I'm just going to go ahead and say, yes, this sounds great. Oh, I'm, right? I'm up for it. Yeah, you've sold me. By the way, um, <laughs> dress code, Cardi's. Cardi's. Yeah. I don't actually own a Cardi, well, uh, but I'll get one. I'll get one. Do you, do you like this one? It's nice. I'm not sure if it wins on the tour manager's Dave's. I don't, though, I don't you know? think he does win. I don't think he does no, win. But I'm it's gonna, a lovely card. I'm going to call, call Russell up. It's more Christmassy than Because I his. can't have him winning. I don't mind him beating me, but I'm not having him winning. <laughs> He's sitting there in the corner, <laughs> keeping his eye on the old shekels, the old bottom line. <laughs> he, yeah, yes, dear Santa, can I please have another abacus for Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. We think we only really like our next guest but then there's still two episodes to go so we can't be sure IRL he's the BAFTA winner starring in season two of our favourite show on the telly The White Lotus which continues with episode six on Sky Atlantic on Monday he's chill he's brill so let's have our fill of Will Sharp morning Will good morning thanks for having me Wow, what an introduction. Thank you. What do we do about this one? (laughs) Have you been interviewed before? Yes. About this show? Yes. Right, can you remember some of those questions and just answer them, please? (laughs) (laughs) Because I don't know what to answer. Uh, The show is amazing. I love the first series anyway. Yes, me too. Uh, The second series is better than the first. It doesn't matter. Comparison is a thief or joy. It's it's different. Um, For people who don't know, I still can't believe some people own Sky, have a subscription to Sky and haven't watched the show. I've been saying all week, if you do have Sky and you haven't watched the show, you might as well send your Sky back because no point in having it. Just frame the show for us from from your your mindset. Okay, so the, the White Lotus is a sort of... It's a humorous sort of satirical drama about a group of extremely privileged hotel guests who are on a kind of high-end vacation. Um, And the first series uh, and the second series both begin uh, by sort of teasing that there has been some kind of death uh, that has happened at the hotel. And so part of it is you're trying to work out, you're trying to solve that mystery. But alongside that is a sort of um, acerbic satire of these you know, slightly privileged people who often behave in quite a toxic <laughs> toxic way. Uh, but I do think that the way Mike White, uh, who created the show and directed all the episodes, the way he writes these characters is that, you know, they're hopefully also kind of come across as human and three-dimensional. And so there are lots of different characters, lots of different ways in for, you know, different people watching it. Um, is that fair? Do you think that's yeah, about it's right? Cool. That's it's cool, about man. Right. It's, yeah, I'm all right now. You calm me down. Thanks very okay. much for that. I just needed a few moments to, to sort of uh, regather myself. Um, it's a psychological dystopia is what it is. So, like, you know, there are dystopian thrillers. There's been dystopian literature. Of course, there has. And all the better for, the world's all the better for it. There have been futuristic dystopias. Um, but this is psychological. It's the fact that we all really live in a messed up world if we're messed up because it's not how the world is um, that we experience it. It's how we see the world. It's the story we tell ourselves about the world and he's telling us all these amazing stories about these people who are broken and we're all broken it's just that because it's drama they are broken to a greater extent than hopefully any of us will ever come close to being yes Th- that's about where we are yes is it thank you yes thank you thank yeah. you will um your character yes ethan so, yeah t- tell everybody about your character so he is a sort of like coding wizard who's recently come into a lot of money um in the tech business right 
Um, so it's, this sort of level of wealth is new to him, and he is on vacation with his wife Harper, played by Aubrey Plaza. Unbelievable. Um, and they sort of like we find them in a place where. Their marriage is sort of, they tell themselves that they're in a good place, they're honest with each other about everything, but actually you start to feel the cracks in their relationship as the series goes on. And part of that is sort of exacerbated by the fact that they've gone on vacation with this very different couple, uh, Cameron and Daphne are the characters' names, played by Theo James and Megan Fahey. Uh, and they are very sort of like gregarious, tactile, very comfortable with public displays of affection, um, and the way that they are starts to sort of rock the boat with uh, Ethan and Harper a little bit. Yeah, because the question, the dilemma is that they may not have such an honest marriage, but they seem to have a happier marriage. And the question is, is it better to have a, a less honest but happier marriage than a brutally honest but miserable marriage? Yeah, sort I suppose of. so. Yes, that's sort where of. we start for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what you, what, the way you described um, how the shows, both series have started, I forgot about, but it's pivotal because it's not a who done it; it's a who's going to be done in. Right. Because you, that's how it works, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Because there, there is a dead body. Uh, or there is a dead person. The first one was in a coffin uh, for the first series, going being loaded onto a plane. Yeah. And the second one, we don't sort, we sort of don't see, but somebody swims into a dead body. Yeah. And actually, because the show is so um, clever at sort of taking you away with it wherever it wants to go, and and he's such a genius, Michael White. He's such a genius. We were talking the other day, weren't we? It's not about just the lines he writes or the characters he comes up with or the scenarios. It's the things that he writes that. So, so for example, in episode six, which I've seen because I was sent it, nobody has seen it, have they? You've seen it because you're in it, but <laughs> you, you saw it being made. <laughs> uh, that's so funny. Um, uh, but um, what was I, I can't remember what I was saying? What was I saying? You were going to say about somebody walks out of a room. Yeah, somebody walks out. No, they walk out of the, the hotel, and one of, one of the characters just does this. It won't mean anything, but hopefully it'll come across on the radio. They go, now you've got to write that. Do you know what I mean? Because that's what that's what we do in life, isn't it? Yeah. But he's he's written that because that's a character and that's a bit of the script. Yeah, that's the stuff. You know, that's really clever. That's the glue, the super glue that holds this whole thing together and keeps us gripped for the for the whole episode. I think it's phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, he has such a great attention to detail. I think, um, and is so good at like the, just the micro interactions between human beings how we sort of relate to each other and all the weird as you say like weird little quirks that come yeah. out screenplay as opposed to script which is friends was always very good the reason friends was so funny because seinfeld is very sort of dialogue and and thought based but friends is it's very active that comedy is very sort of um you know it's it's more about writing what people do and how they do it as opposed to what they say it's unbelievable can i just say well done again to can you just tell everybody that you know that works on it how much we love your show yes I will. It's brilliant. Thank you. It's we appreciate it. Really I appreciate brilliant. it. Can you can you do, can you do a bit of Ethan for us before you no. go? Oh come on! <laughs> come on! Ethan wouldn't do it. Yeah, but you're not Ethan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not asking. Yeah, you. but if I was being him and he well, was on a radio show, he's thinking show about it. He's, he's thinking about it because he'd be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I do that? Yeah. <laughs> Why would you ask such a stupid yeah. question? Yeah. Why would you ask such a stupid question? <laughs> <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha!
I've been Ethan. Right, I'm getting weird now. Because um, if I haven't been all morning. Uh, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Uh, thanks, everyone, for a great show. Thanks for a great Thank week. What a lovely... Me. You're very welcome. Well done. Congratulations. Once again, The White Lotus is on Sky. Season one is available. Season two, you can have up to episode five. There's two more to go. First one airs on Monday, and then it's available uh, forever after that. And the second one airs a week on Monday on Sky Atlantic at 9pm. That's it. We're out, up to date and about out of time. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy your first Saturday in December. Enjoy all the Christmas fairs. Uh, love each other. Um, be nice to each other. And remember, the best thing you can do um, and the best thing you can ever do is be kind. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky.